All right, can I pray? And then we're going to jump into the word. I'm excited about what uh, God has given me and that you're here. Father, I love you. Lord, I'm so amazed. I'm so glad I live in Tulia. I'm so grateful for this amazing community. I'm, ama- I'm amazed, God, at the people in this community. I'm thankful for your grace on us as a church, the, on our families. Father God, I just thank you that you pour your grace on us this morning. Pour your grace on Tulia, on our businesses, on our schools, on our churches. Father, I know you love Tulia. I know you love us. Then that you are at work in our lives. And it's Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said. Amen. I am so grateful that you're here. It's my last week to talk about the Chuck Pierce prophecy that he gave at Trinity Fellowship back in January. It's going to be my last week. Next week, we're moving into some new things. But one of the things that we have found out is that we're a prophetic people. Okay, and all that means is, is that we have a future. Okay, God has a future for you. He has a future for us, and it's good. Prophecy is not anything weird. It's not anything spooky. What it means is, is that God has a plan for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right here on the wall, says that God's plans for you, God's plans for me are good and not evil. So prophecy is not anything to be afraid of. Jesus said he would come the first time, and he did. He says he's coming the second time, and he will. And so I just want you to be encouraged in that. Now, I want to read you a verse this morning. In the New Testament, this is out of Second Peter 1, and it's talking about prophecy. Now, do you remember the story where the disciples went with Jesus up on the mountain, and it says that he transfigured into God, that what was on the inside of him wasn't hiding in his flesh, that he had eyes of fire and feet like brass. There's a, a description of Jesus in Revelation about that, and it says that his eyes are like fire, his hair is white like wool, that he has a sword, and you get to see who he really is. Well, they went up on that mountain and they saw who he really was. Then when they came down from that mountain, this is where the conversation talks about. So I want to read it to you. It's in 2 Peter 1, 19. It says, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed. Now stop right there. What's a prophet do? All a prophet does is says, hey, we're going this way. Well, what does God's word do? Well, God's word says, hey, Bobby, let's go this way. Okay, don't, don't go your own way. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Hey, let's go this way. And so when they saw Jesus and saw who he was, it says that they had a prophetic word confirmed that we would do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. You remember when you heard the gospel the first time? You remember when you received Christ as your Savior and the light of the gospel shined in a dark place? Do you, do you remember that? I remember it. I remember it distinctly. I'm a 12-year-old kid at my house, my parents' home. And I heard the gospel, and I received Christ as my Savior. Many of you in this room can remember when you received Christ as your Savior. And it says right here that when we have a prophetic word from God, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to take heed. We're supposed to listen. We're supposed to let it shine in a dark place. The last sentence says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And that's a reference to Jesus. The morning star is a reference to Jesus and that he wants to rise in our hearts, and he wants to fill us with his life and love. Now, let me read you the next prophetic thing that Chuck Pierce said. Here's what he said. He said, it's time for you and I to move forward into a new beginning, to let your faith rise up by hearing the word of God. Listen to it again. It's time to move forward to a new beginning. Let your faith rise up by hearing the word. 
Many of you have done that. I, 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 y'all are sitting right here, so I have to use you as an example. Think, think about the journey you two have been on in your, in your life. I mean, I, I, we, you got married. I got to do the wedding. I mean, y'all are following God. You're in church. You've got family. You've put your family together. Think about how you're doing exactly what this says. You guys are moving forward into a new beginning. Isn't it true? Okay, and listen to what it says. It says that we're supposed to all do that, and we're supposed to let our faith rise up by hearing the word of God. I want to read you a verse. I want to read to you in Romans 10, 17. Listen to what this says. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, do you know how you get faith? The Bible says you get faith by hearing the word of God. Every time you read your Bible, every time you're in church and you hear good preaching, or if you get on and listen to a podcast and listen to somebody else preach, or you do devotionals, or you hear the word of God on your phone, every time you hear the word of God, do you know what it does? It builds and it strengthens your faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's just that simple and it's that powerful. Now, listen, I don't want you to miss this. God wants you to rise up with your faith and he wants you to do it by hearing the word of God, by talking about the promises. Listen to what the devil wants. The devil wants you to have a casual relationship with the Word of God. You know what casual means? Occasional. He wants you to have a casual relationship with the Word of God. Do you know why? Because the power in God's Word is nuclear. Okay, in the spirit realm and in the natural realm, the Word of God is nuclear. And the devil will do everything he can to keep you from the Bible. Listen, he doesn't care how much time you spend on the Internet. He doesn't care how many shows you binge watch on television. He doesn't care how many other things you do, as long as he can keep you away from the Bible, as long as he can keep you from taking time to look at the Bible on your phone or keep you from reading the Word of God or keep you from hearing the Word of God. He'll do whatever he can to keep you away from the word of God because you know what he knows? Well, he knows it'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your kids. It'll change your grandkids. You see, the enemy wants you to have an occasional relationship with God's word. Now, here's what God wants to do. He wants to stir your faith. Have you ever thought about asking God to do that? Do you remember the story in the New Testament where where the guy told Jesus, help my unbelief? Help my unbelief? Okay, what if you told the Lord, Lord, would you stir my faith? Lord, stir up my faith so it's easier to believe you. Stir up my faith so it's easier to read the Bible. Stir up my faith so it's easier to pray. You can pray that and he'll do it. All right, now what can you do to stir your faith? The very things I just said. Take time to read the word of God. Take time to pray. Listen, I'm so proud of you for being in church. I'm so proud that you got up this morning, got dressed, Put on some deodorant, not like the junior high boys, amen? You got yourself ready and you got here. You know what you're doing by being here? You're stirring your faith. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. You're hearing the word of God and it's building your faith. Here's the next thing he said. God wants you to bring your life into order. The phrase he used was first order. All right, what does that mean? Well, you know, we have all kinds of priorities. I know you do and I do too. I have all kinds of things that matter to me and are important to me. But you know where Jesus wants to be in the list of your priorities? He wants to be number one. He wants to be first. Okay, I want to read to you out of Matthew 6.33. Okay, God says, I want you to have first order. Listen to what it says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things, all these things will be added to you. 
Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Now, listen, I like stuff. I like stuff as much as the next guy, right? I like boats. I like motorcycles. I like pickups. My favorite color is red. I mean, we've got a red dirt bike. We've got a red pickup. All I need is my boat's green, and it needs to be red. Okay, I I like stuff. I'm not going to stand up here this morning and say you're not supposed to have anything because I like stuff as much as the next guy. What I'm saying is this. If you put Jesus first place in your life, the things you long for, the things you desire, the things you want, and maybe it's stuff, but maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a family. I don't know what it is. If you'll put Jesus first in your life, then all the stuff will come along. Does that make sense? He says, seek me first, put me first in your life. Then if you'll put me first, all those things that you desire, all those things that you have a heart for, hey, all that'll come. I'll take care of you. So he wants you to have order in your life. He wants you to be first. Now, the next thing I'm going to say is powerful. It's just, now everything I see on Sunday is powerful, but this is really powerful. Okay, and if you're here and you're married and you're a man, this is going to rock your world. Okay, now I didn't say this. The guy at Trinity said this, the prophet said this, and I almost didn't write it down, but listen what this says. Are you ready? Y'all don't, no, y'all don't seem ready. Now I'm gonna wait until y'all are ready. Are y'all ready? All right, okay. You're gonna like this, Gene. You are gonna like this. Here it is. Men, you need your wife. Man, ladies, good job. The ladies in the early service were just like, whatever. All right, now listen, this is powerful. The first thing he said was seek the kingdom first. Then he said to recognize that you need your wife. I want to read to you out of Proverbs eighteen twenty two. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I had a man come up to me after the early service, and he said, I appreciate you quoting that verse correctly. And I thought, well, what are you talking about? He said, here's how most people read that verse. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing. And he says, it does not say that. It says, he who finds a wife shouldn't even have to be good. <laughs> I mean, we got to fight. And that gets you off the hook right there. Man, Ashley for the future, right? I mean, come, come on, right? Right? I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, okay. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, seriously, I know this can be funny because it makes you nervous. You know, it's like when Kurt preaches on sex and ground zero, there's a ripple across the crowd. <laughs> and so I know when I'm talking about wives, it's kind of the same thing. I know I'm, I'm kind of making you nervous, but, but I just, I don't want to beat you up, but I just want to be honest and serious. Okay. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to listen. So we would listen to him and follow him. Okay. If you're married, he gave you a wife. So you would listen to her. So you have the Holy spirit and you have a wife. Now, now why do you have a wife? You have a wife because a lot of times you won't listen to the Holy spirit. And if you're, yeah, come on. And if you're wise, if you're wise, you will listen to your wife. Now, amen. Amen. Come on. I know. How long have y'all been married? about 30 days. I mean, yeah. And he's putting his hands over her ears so she doesn't hear. I mean, sweet Jesus, my gosh. All right. Now, and I know, I know, don't get me wrong. I know this is, is, it's, it makes you nervous. And so you laugh and I appreciate it, but can I just encourage you? Okay. Gentlemen, if you're married, you need, you need your wife and she's a gift from God. 
and you would be a wise man to listen to her. And sometimes as men, we can have too much pride. We can be too manly. We can have too much arrogance, and we don't want to listen. And I'm telling you, God gave you your mate so you would listen. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you. That's what he said, and I just want to encourage you in that. Here's the next thing he said. <clears throat> this is a question. Okay, listen to this. What have you been about? Think about your life over the last year. Think about in 2017. Maybe think about the last two years or the last three years. What have you been about? What have you been into? What have you been about? What have you been putting your time into? Here's what he said. He said, it's time for you to come back to God's word, to the spirit and to truth. It's time to come back to God's word, to the spirit and the truth. Listen to this verse. This is John 4, 23. But the time is coming indeed. It's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Now, let me explain that verse to you because I don't want you to disqualify yourself. Jesus said the time is coming and is here now where God is looking for true worshipers, worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. Listen, I've always loved praise and worship. I love good music. I mean, I can remember when I was young and we listened to the radio on the way to church. And when we got into church, the music was completely different than what was on the radio. And I always liked what I heard on the radio. And I wanted that style of music in church. And, and I always loved good music. I loved listening to music. I, I love worship music. And I love being in a church that worships God. And that we have the freedom to worship God. And that if you want to raise your hands, you can. If you want to sing loud, you can. And that we have drums and guitars. And we have an amazing worship team. And they make it easy to worship God. All right. Now, now don't miss this. When you hear this verse, you can think, well, I'm not a true worshiper. Yes, you are. Okay, Jesus said, I'm looking for those who will worship me from the heart. From the heart. Okay, that's what Jesus is talking about. Listen, you know what he said? He said, your mouth says you love me, but your heart's far from me. See, that's not what God's interested in. God's not interested in religious behavior. God's interested in love from the heart. Do you know why I raise my hands on the front row? I raise my hands because I love Jesus with all of my heart, and I know what he's done for me. Now, I'm not saying, well, if you don't raise your hands, you don't love Jesus with all your heart. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just wanting to encourage you. It's a heart issue. And you being here, you being in this worship service, you taking time to be here, I know you love Jesus in your heart. I know you're looking for something or you wouldn't be here. So listen to what he said, to come back to God's word, to come back to the spirit and to truth. Let me move to the next thought. Here's the next thing he said. He said, when you give me the first, <clears throat> the whole lump will be blessed. Let me explain that to you. I'm going to read to you out of Romans 11:16, the New Living Translation. You know the word lump means bread. It means dough that's not cooked. That's what he's talking about. Listen to what this says. It says, and since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Stop right there. Okay, you and I are the descendants of Abraham because of Jesus Christ. You know that, right? 
The Abrahamic covenant belongs to us. You and I are the descendants of Abraham because of Jesus. And it says that if Abraham was holy, his descendants are holy. You and I are holy this morning, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Because of the blood spilled at the cross, I receive the righteousness of Christ. You're holy and I'm holy. Are you with me? All right, let me keep reading. Listen to what this says. It says, just as the entire batch of dough is holy, because the portion given as an offering is holy, for if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be also, or two. All right, let me explain it to you. Imagine, does anybody in here bake? Anybody bake bread in here? Anybody? All right, thank you, Ashley. You bake bread, all right? You know how when you make dough... And I'm not a bread baker, but you make that dough. And I can see it in my head. And they have that round ball of dough on the, on the board with flour underneath it. Okay, imagine you're making bread. And before you bake it, you pull a piece of it off. And you give that piece to God in an offering. And God says in the word, your offering is holy. And because you've given me part of the dough, the rest of it is holy. Now, he's talking about your life. He's talking about your time. He's talking about your talent. And he's talking about your treasure. When you give God part of your money, that offering is holy. And then what you keep is holy. God's blessing and grace is on it because you're a giver. Are you with me? It says so right here in scripture. When you take part of what you earn and you bring it to church and you give it to God, God says not only is what you give in holy, but the rest of it is holy. Are you with me? Listen to this statement. This is going to really minister to you. If you build God's house, he'll build yours. If you'll build God's house, he'll build yours. What does that mean? God, I'm bringing part of my income. God, I'm bringing part of my salary. I'm bringing part of my lump. Okay, I'm bringing part of what you gave me to your house, and I'm going to give it. And because I'm going to give it, then you cause the rest of it to be holy. Wow, that's powerful. That's incredibly powerful. You want to bless your home financially? Give into the kingdom. Because when you take part of the lump and you give it, God said, I'm going to make the rest of it holy. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to take care of it. Amen? All right, let me show you the next thing he said. This is the last point. He says, don't settle into the wilderness lifestyle. Go on into the promised land. Listen to it again. Don't settle into a wilderness lifestyle. Go on into the promised land. Let me explain that to you. The children of Israel had been slaves in Israel for 400 years. God caused Moses to be raised up to deliver them out of slavery. They came out of slavery and they went out into the wilderness, the desert, and they were supposed to go through the desert, cross the Jordan River, and go into the promised land where the promises of God would be fulfilled in their life. When they got to the river, they sent 12 spies. When the spies came back, 10 of them said, there are giants in our promise, and they're bigger than God, and we can't go in. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, there are giants, but our God is bigger than the giants. They chose not to go in because of unbelief. And the Bible says it was an evil report. Do you know what an evil, when you hear the word evil, what do you think of? Well, I can think of all kinds of bad things. But God says an evil report is a report of unbelief. Listen, when you decide that your problems are bigger than God, then you are going to stay stuck in the wilderness and you're not going to go on into the promise. Are you with me? 
you know, many of you know, we've been praying for Whitney Tomlin and she's been in the hospital for three weeks and she was in the hospital in Abilene. She got the flu, she got strep and she was on life support for three weeks. Three weeks, I gave her a 10% chance of living. Well, we've been praying, many of you have been praying, we've been crying out to God that she would live and not die and that she'd be delivered and that God would save her. Well, this past week, they, she has a trach, and they took her. The trach is still there, but they took the hose off. And I know that's not the right word, but they took it off, and she's breathing on her own. She sat in a chair. She ate chicken broth and vanilla pudding and ice cream, and she wanted some Coke. Yeah, amen? And she didn't want anybody to come see her because she's worried about how she looked. Now, you know a woman is doing better when she thinks that. <laughs> right, right? Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. Now, that, I know many of you have prayed, and I'm so thrilled in my heart that she's on the road to recovery, that she's on to the road to God's promises. Now, don't miss this. Lots of times we get stuck in the wilderness, and we think, well, God's not going to move anyway, so I'm just going to stay stuck. And if you stay stuck, you end up being a slave. Now, let me tell you something. Back in July and September, Ashley preached two messages on Ruth. And those messages are about this subject right here, about not staying in the wilderness. And I want to encourage you. Here's what you can do. You can get on tcfchurch.com. You can click on podcast, and you can scroll down through our messages. And here's what she did. She preached July 30th on Ruth. She preached September 17th, and it's called Ruth Part 2. July 30th, Ruth September 17th, Ruth, Ruth Part 2. And I just wanted to encourage you, if you had time, get online and listen to those two messages because she talks extensively about what I'm just kind of touching on, about going on out of the wilderness and going on into what God's called you to do and not staying a slave. Do you know what the slaves did? They died. They died in the wilderness, and they never saw God's promise fulfilled in their life, and only Joshua and Caleb went in. Now, don't miss this. This is you. This is me. God wants to fulfill his promises in your life, but you've got to get up off of your tush, and you've got to leave the wilderness, and you've got to go into the promises of God with your belief that God can do it. Now, I've just got a few minutes left, and I want to show you the difference between a slave and a son between a slave and a son. Sons inherit the promises, slaves don't. Slaves stay in unbelief. Let me show you the difference. First off, slaves don't rest, sons do. Slaves don't rest, sons do. I'm not talking about not going to work. I'm not talking about the life you live. I'm talking about a heart issue. I'm talking about a mental issue that you're not afraid to rest. You're not afraid to have downtime. You're not afraid to have time to relax. See, if you're always pushing, always busy, you're afraid of rest. Well, a lot of times those people are slaves, not sons. Sons know how to rest. What do you mean, pastor? Rest in God and in his promises that I don't have to beat my head against the wall. God, you're taking care of me. Amen? Here, all right, here's the second one. Slaves are greedy and struggle with provision. Sons are generous. Slaves struggle with provision and are greedy. Have you ever heard that saying, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can? Right? Have you heard that before? Right? Get all you can, can all you get, 
and sit on the can. They're greedy. Okay, listen, God is a giver. When you give, you are acting like your father. The devil is a thief. He steals. If you steal, you're acting like the devil. And then men are hoarders. Men are always afraid there won't be enough. And so I've got to hang on to what's mine and I got to build a fence around it and I got to be careful with it because I might lose it. Slaves are greedy and struggle with provision. Sons are generous and know that God will take care of them. That's powerful, isn't it? Here's the next one. Slaves isolate themselves and insulate themselves. Sons engage and are open. You see, if you have a slave mentality, you don't have time for friendships. You don't have time for relationships. You don't have time for any of those things because you're more comfortable when you're isolated. You're more comfortable when you insulate yourself. You're more comfortable when you are alone. Sons don't do that. Sons engage and are open. That doesn't mean you spend every minute of your day with other people, but it means you're open to other people. You're open to friendships. You're open to relationships, and you're not afraid to engage with others. See, slaves isolate themselves. They isolate themselves. I don't want to be around anybody else. I want to insulate myself because I don't like people. Well, people are God's business. Amen? All right, here's the last one. Slaves are cursers. Now, that doesn't mean cussers. Okay, cursers. Okay, what do you mean? Y'all know the Winnie the Pooh movie? And the little donkey in there is named Eeyore. And he has his little tail pinned on him, you know, and he's got them little short legs. And he has that low voice, and he's always griping and bellyaching. Y- y'all know, everybody knows that, right? You know, Eeyore, you know, right? Well, he was a cursor. He never saw anything good. He only saw the bad. He only saw the negative. He spent a lot of time watching the news. Yeah, the news givers are the Eeyores in the world. Amen? All right. Slaves are Eeyores. They only see the bad. The cup's half empty instead of half full. No matter how good it is, it's never good enough. Okay, slaves are Eeyores. Sons are Tiggers. Y'all know Tigger? He has that little tail. You know Tigger, right? And he bounces on that tail, and he's all happy, and he's all excited. And and there's those of you here that you think that's stupid and ridiculous, and all that means is you're a slave. He was happy. He was positive. He was encouraging. Can Can I encourage you this morning? Don't be an Eeyore. Be a Tigger. Don't be a cursor. Be a blesser. Don't be a cursor. Be a blesser. What do you mean? Man, God is alive. God's on the throne. God's moving. You know, I heard a saying one time that inside every man is a king or a fool. And the one you talk to is the one that comes out. How about inside of your teenagers are a king or a fool? And whichever one you talk to is the one that comes out. Think about how we talk to each other. Think about how we treat each other. Are you talking to kings or are you talking to fools? Which one are you talking to the most? Because the one you talk to is the one that comes out. Be a blesser. If you're a blesser, you're a son. If you're a blesser, you're a king. Are you with me? Instead of, oh, you know, everything's bad. Everything's bad. And I know sometimes that's a habit and it's human nature. I can be that way, right? I can be that way. But you decide, hey, I'm gonna be a blesser instead of a cursor. All right, real quickly. Slaves don't rest, sons do. Slaves are greedy and worry about provision. Sons are generous. Slaves isolate and insulate themselves. Sons engage and are open. Slaves are cursors. 
and blessers are tiggers and their, and their sons and their blessers. Amen? Amen. God's good, isn't he? Praise God. All right, y'all bow your head and let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for this great church, this great body of believers. Father, we love you with all of our hearts. I thank you that we are true worshipers and that we do worship with spirit and truth. Father, as we go from this place, God, we're encouraged, we're strengthened, and that we're not cursors, we're blessers. We're not Eeyores, we're Tiggers. And that your grace is on our life, Father. I'm thankful as we leave this place, we're blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said?